Welcome back to another episode of an Extra Dose podcast. We are so excited for today's guest. We have Amy Chan, who is the founder of Renew Breakup Bootcamp, which is a retreat that takes a scientific and spiritual approach to the healing of the heart. So if you've ever been through a breakup or if you're having a hard time dating like me, Alexis, obviously, not Samantha. <laughs> not me. <laughs> Let's just be clear because I had someone say they saw one of my old stories about the dating. They go, wait, what's wrong? I thought you were engaged. No, wrong twice. <laughs> but everything is very happy. Before anyone, before anyone freaks Don't out, us. thinks the engagement's called off. No. So she is amazing. We learned so much from her and we can't wait to share the episode with you guys. She also has a book called Breakup Bootcamp out that's on Amazon and I'm about to actually download it myself and purchase it because she really talks about how to heal your heart after a breakup and what tools to use. She's so informative. She has so much good information. She's so good to listen to as well. Yeah, like I learned seriously so much from the episode. I did too and I'm obviously in a I happy I feel like I was doing like a therapy session in a way but the bootcamp is amazing. She goes into to what it entails in the episode but you should definitely sign up I think there's a wait list right now because of COVID but but also the podcast is so great um I don't want to turn you guys away if you're like oh I didn't go through a breakup I don't need to listen to definitely this. listen no. it's so great just for dating obviously Alexis has gone her breakup ended a long time ago so she's in the process of dating and I think it's so great for anyone that's even if you're in relationships it's so good to listen to you she has so much great information you can even pass on to your friends if you're in a committed relationship and you don't feel like you're going to benefit as much everyone can benefit from this and like I said she's so easy to listen to and even her book you know I was reading some of the reviews and because obviously I'm about to buy it but I haven't read it yet and they're saying that even if you're not haven't gone through a breakup recently if you're just feeling lonely or you're in the dating world it's a great tool to use and to add to your reading list so we hope you guys enjoyed the episode we did share where you guys can find her at the end of the episode so also check the show notes for that and without further ado stay tuned and enjoy the episode to have Amy on our podcast. I know that I personally follow her, so I know a little bit more about her than some of you guys may know already, but we're so excited for you guys to hear her story and all the benefits that she can provide with you guys when it comes to dating, breakups, relationship stuff, which I know that you girls can all benefit from. So if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, Amy, and how you got started and a little bit about your business and all that relationship fun stuff. Yeah. So I am the founder of Renew Breakup Bootcamp. We host retreats and have online programs, and we take a scientific and spiritual approach to healing and rewiring the heart. I work with a team of 13 experts from psychologists to behavioral scientists to sex educators, uh, even dominatrixes who study the psychology of power dynamics. And we help women, uh, typically after a breakup or, or divorce, um, create healthier relationships relationship patterns. And I just wrote the book, Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart, which has been published by HarperCollins. And while I really focus on breakups, really what I teach is about relationship patterns, because it's never just about the ex, it's recycled pain. And so I help people rewire their subconscious beliefs so that they don't keep having the same dating mistakes. So I know you kind of talked about the Renew Breakup Bootcamp. So can you talk a little bit more about how people sign up for that and typically what happens on like one of those bootcamp experiences? Yeah. So we actually, we have a waiting list of a couple hundred people uh, just because of the pandemic. So we've been offering virtual retreats, but basically we have a retreat out in nature in upstate New York or in California. And we bring in an onsite chef and a team. So you're eating really well, you're sleeping really well. And Day one, we bring in an anxiety expert who teaches you how do you deal with those ups and downs. When you don't get that text message, when you see the Instagram photo of your ex having wine with someone else, 
how do you deal with that emotional roller coaster? And so the anxiety expert, Trish Burles, actually teaches practical tools that are backed by science and psychology to help you actually learn how to regulate your nervous system. We then bring in a love addiction expert, Nicole Boyar, who teaches on love addiction because a lot of people think that they're in love when really it's not love at all. Uh, I then go and teach about reframing the story and attachment styles and that how the way that we're wired by the age of two can determine how we relate romantically as adults. And we could dive into that deeper later on. Um, and then the next day I bring in the psychologist, the behavioral scientist. We bring in a breathwork teacher. She's a holistic doctor that helps the women move stored trauma and emotion that's blocked in the body, sometimes for years, if not decades. And she helps them move the blockages out of the body. Um, and then the next day, the last day is I bring in the sex educator, the tantra coach, the dominatrix. And it's really about removing the sexual shame um, that we have around our bodies, around our, our sexual stories, and learning how to alchemize our sensual energy and tap into our erotic power. And the dominatrix, who has a PhD from Berkeley, she teaches on the psychology of power dynamics and the interplay of dominance and submission that are in all of our interactions. Oh, wow. That, so many things that you said it really makes you think twice about just things that are just have become normal in our dating society, like being anxious about waiting for the text or different things that you're mentioning. I was like, okay, I can relate to so many of these things. And even just to people that typically go to these um, retreats, is it someone who's recently gone through a breakup or just someone who's been single for a while? Who yeah. typically? Great question. Leaves? It's a, it's definitely a range. So there's people who are fresh out of breakup. There's people who have had a breakup two years ago, but they still can't get over their, you know, stop thinking about their ex. And then we have um, about 30% of the people are dating someone who is a narcissist or shows narcissistic personality disorder traits and can't get out of the toxic relationship. And some are just single and they're sick of suffering when it comes to love and they want to understand how they can shift their patterns. That's so interesting. I mean, I, I feel like I've dated some narcissists. I know everyone that, that people use that term a lot, but I was listening to something about narcissists and I feel like it's becoming, I almost more common or just those are the kind of people that I'm dating apps. I'm not really sure, but we can talk about that in a little bit, but I guess my, some of my questions that I kind of, when you kind of were talking about breakups and stuff, why do you think that breakups are so difficult for people? Yeah, that's a really good question. I get this all the time when people come to me, they say, I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like the rug has been ripped out from underneath me. I feel broken. And then they go and they ask what's wrong with me. And so what happens is the breakup is often the band-aid that gets ripped off. And then all of that compound trauma that wasn't dealt with from the heartbreak you probably had with your father or your mother or your caregiver to, you know, your high school sweetheart, to the guy who ghosted you or the girl who rejected you, whatever that is, all those things, when they're not processed, when you don't have the tools to actually heal those wounds, they don't just magically disappear. Your patterns follow you wherever you go. And so sometimes people take the breakup so hard because it ripped off a bandage that was covering up an abandonment wound. And then suddenly the rejection is so personalized and internalized that it becomes a story that, oh, I must not be worthy. There must be something wrong with me. And that is what makes it so hard because it's not just about mourning the relationship that's ended. It's now mourning also the future that you won't have, but then it's also mourning a part of your identity. And that's what makes it so tough. That's such a good, I think that's a really good explanation. And I feel like it kind of translates more also into just not even a breakup, but maybe like just a, a ghosting or a rejection on, on a date or an app. Cause I feel like I go through those emotions a lot and I haven't, I haven't had a long-term relationship since I think we broke up 2018 end of 2018. So it's been a while, but I feel like every time my sister hears me vent about this all the time is that if I, I mean, it's not like I'm in love with them or anything, but you meet someone on a dating app, which is another story, 
but I meet someone I think that we could work compatible and then they like ghost you out of nowhere or it doesn't work out. And there's some sort of, I feel like a rejection and my mom always gets so annoyed at me because I'm like, they rejected me. And she's like, how can they be rejecting if they don't know you? But I take it as a rejection because I'm like, I do the same things like you were saying, like, what's wrong with me? Why, you know, why does this keep happening? And yeah, you definitely, and she, yeah. the common things I get, which is like so horrible to th- be thinking that about yourself, but she's like, there has to be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. It has to be me. And I'm like, it's not you. But I, I mean, I try to like, obviously tell her because I don't want her to be down on herself like that. But it's just, you know, I get how she can feel like that way. And I'm sure there's a lot of girls out there that think the same way as well. Yeah. And, you know, your, your experience is very common and I, it it is actually, um, it's something called a cognitive distortion. So it's something I teach in my, in my boot camps. They're also called thinking traps. So there's a part in the brain that's been labeled the interpreter and our brain likes to file things away at, in, in almost like neat little folders. So it, it helps us make sense of the world. The problem is this part of the brain, the interpreter, it's not actually based in truth. It just creates stories. And the way it creates stories is it looks at what are some of the past experiences? What are some of those old beliefs? Some are subconscious. You don't even know that you have, right? It could have been a rejection that you had in grade five when you weren't picked for that soccer team at recess. You don't remember the memory now, but you have an emotional memory of it. So the rejection of not hearing back on a text message might be like, oh, it's trivial trivial," and your sister be like, well, you're not getting rejected. Who cares? But it it taps into a much deeper wound, which is an emotional memory from a very long time ago. And your brain tries to make sense of it. So it's like, oh, you know, everyone rejects me. Oh, I always meet people who are unavailable. And these are thinking traps. And one thing that will be very helpful for you and anyone listening is to understand what are the common thinking traps. And I have that, I can, I can give that to you, but um, catastrophizing is one when you, maybe it's a pandemic and you're like, I'm never going to love, or I'm a certain age. No one's ever going to want to date me. I'm never going to have kids. All or nothing thinking. When you say things like, this always happens to me. Nobody ever wants to, you know, uh, get in a relationship with me. Should statements is another thing. I should have just, you know, you know, done something different. And then he would have stuck around. Uh, he shouldn't have done that. It's these arbitrary rules that we make um, that are actually not based in fact. So those are a few examples of thinking in traps. And when you can catch yourself when you say it, you can be like, oh, actually, that's not truth. That's just a thinking trap. That's my brain going off again and redirect your focus into the present moment. And it takes practice. But as you do that, the words you say to yourself will start to change. And that is going to start to change the story you have about yourself, which will have a ripple effect in the types of relationships that you get into and the effects that, you know, people have on you. That's so true. I, I, all those things, we were both we nodding both our head. That. <laughs> we both do that. I mean, you do it and it's, I not, do even related it. to it's not related to a relationship, but I do that. I guess if it's related to work or anything like that, the should, all that stuff. I, I, and I forgot what word you were saying, but where, when you're um, making, generalizing everything and making it, oh, a catastrophe, I'm making everything, I blow everything up out of proportion. <laughs> so I do that and I'm not even referring to relationships, but I think it's so, I mean, I think, I don't know, it's common for me, but I think you're right though. When a guy, when there's any kind of, I don't, I mean, I guess it is rejection in a way when I feel like they didn't do, you know, they didn't respond the way that I would have wanted because I like them or whatever the reason is. I feel like you start second guessing, well, should I said this? Should I not have said this? And I do that a lot. I went on a date a couple of months ago and I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't have said, I didn't say anything too much, but that's the thing is like, I think we get so caught up in, you know, not, I mean, obviously I think you have to be kind of don't overshare, but you have to also be who you are and stay true to yourself. And if, and if it's not going to, if they're not going to go out with you because of that, I started asking myself that, like, I mean, if he's going to, if I, if that's the reason, which who knows what the reason is, if I said something that he didn't, you know, didn't really want, I don't know if that was too much for him or whatever it was, then I don't need to be with him anyway. But you definitely, I got myself in those traps too. I caught myself like 
second guessing what I had said or what did I do wrong because he had ghosted me out of nowhere after a few dates. So mm-hmm. it was hard because I mean, all my friends were like, well, you weren't going to date him anyway. But I'm like, well, we didn't know that. I mean, there were some things right out of the gate that I was like, I don't know. I had my doubts about it kind of going in, but I was trying to give it a fair shot. But yeah, I mean, it's still a, I still took it as a rejection because I had invested two dates and two dates and time and energy texting and stuff. And then just out of nowhere to say anything I want to talk about later about ghosting. But before we get into that, because I know I'm going off on a tangent, um, I know that there's six, I read that there's six stages of grief right after a breakup. So could you share a little bit about those? Uh, I know when I was doing my research, I, I definitely could relate to a lot of them. You recognize some of those, those stages. Yeah. So after a breakup, you will go into these different stages of separation, uh, which are similar to the stages of grief. There's typically six, but I've actually, uh, in my work dealing with thousands of people through breakups, I've actually found out that there's an an extra one. So I'll talk about that. Um, So the first stage is shock. And this is you know, your body hasn't adjusted to the new reality and it is your, it's actually your brain's way of not having you overwhelmed with this new reality. So you're in complete shock. You're kind of readjusting. You're kind of in a haze. Then you go into denial. Denial is a rejection of reality. It's like your brain's now starting to be like, oh, wait, this is happening? No, but is it? And again, it's to help you from not getting too overwhelmed with a sudden huge change in your life. The next stage is depression. Uh, And this is when people have a tendency to isolate and not see people. Um, They can go into a shame spiral. They feel really down. And this is the time when you actually have to not listen to what your body is telling you, because your body is going to tell you to stay at home, to isolate, to not move, um, to listen to sad songs. And you actually need to do the opposite. You need to be around people. You need to uh, do a state change. You need to exercise so you get the endorphins. Then you move into anger. Anger is when you start thinking life is unjust or the situation is unjust. You might blame your ex, or you might internalize blame and blame yourself. Now, anger is actually a good sign in the grieving process because it shows that energy is moving. And this energy can motivate you to actually start to make changes to shift your future. Then people tend to go into this next stage of bargaining. This is very similar to denial. This is when you ruminate. Then you think about maybe I can fix the relationship. This is when the should statements come in at full force. And you're like, I should have just done this. Or maybe I shouldn't have brought up that I want kids. And you might even go into relapse where you contact your partner. You try to get them back. um, And you might do this back and forth thing a couple of times until you realize realize that you're just going to keep prolonging your suffering. This is where I then add a stage, which is usually not talked about, but it's called accountability. Accountability is when you start to recognize that, wait, the ending of this relationship isn't just my ex's fault. I am also responsible for my part in the, both the ups and the downs and the ending. Even if the ending was bad and they ghosted or they cheated, it doesn't mean that you're responsible for their behavior, but you start to take accountability that it took two people and that there are things that you can learn about yourself and you can take those lessons into your future relationships. Once you hit accountability, then you ease into acceptance. And this is when you embrace your new reality. You're no longer in fantasy world of maybe I'll get them back. Maybe they'll come around. You you stop focusing on what they did or didn't do. You stop trying to psychoanalyze your ex and you move your focus into what you need to do next, how you can rebuild your identity. And the energy is about moving forward. And now here's the important thing to recognize Healing is not linear. You might jump back and forth between the different stages, and this is totally normal. Um, But if you resist the stage by blaming yourself or going to shame, you only prolong the stage of suffering that you're in. That makes so much sense. And I feel like I can recognize, I'm sure anyone listening can recognize those different stages. And like you're saying, right, you could go 
to different stages at different times to like revert back to another one because I feel like that's happened to me. I know you haven't gone through a breakup in a while, Sam. So, well, no, but I can fortunately for you. But I, but I mean, I can remember. Obviously, everyone's been through a breakup. I can remember all feeling yeah. all those feelings. And I feel like social media, which we can talk about later, it doesn't help. Some of these. So can you share, I was probably one of your tips, but could you share some tips? I know you mentioned a few things about going out and being social and not isolating, but do you have any other tips or advice for when you go through a breakup that you could suggest? Yeah, I'll start with what to not do. And then I'll start with what to do. (laughs) Number one thing, do not vilify your ex. Do not get together with your girlfriends over wine and start bashing your ex and calling him an asshole or a bitch or whatever it is, because this is the reason why. If you're still blaming your ex, analyzing your ex, hoping for your ex to change, you are still in a relationship with your ex. The emotional charge keeps you hooked. And sometimes we hold on to the pain because that's the last part of the relationship that we've got left. So those hate fest rabbit holes, they might make you feel a little bit better in the moment, but they actually are bad for you in the long run. It keeps your focus on them and not on yourself and moving forward. Next is do not feed your emotional monster. So it is totally okay to process your emotions. That means when you feel it, you recognize it's like a wave, it's gonna come and it's going to pass. Um, you allow yourself to feel it, you recognize where it is in the body, and you don't add stories to that emotion. Feeding your emotional monster is different. This is when you feel sadness and you feed the sadness by putting on sad love songs on repeat, right? You're playing Taylor Swift like over and over again. You're watching romantic movies that make you feel really bad about yourself. Um, you put your, your even your body language, it's slouched over, maybe in fetal position, you stay there. All those things is feeding the emotional monster. These emotions, they want to stay around longer and they wanna get bigger. So you need to do the actual opposite of that. And some Sometimes we do it. It's called emotional cutting. We just keep feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. So recognize when you're doing this and do the opposite. And next, do not stalk their social media. Um, When you are looking at their social media, this is because your brain is craving dopamine. When you're in a relationship with someone, you are used to getting your fixes of dopamine and oxytocin, these feel-good chemicals. And after the relationship is over, your brain is like, give me those chemicals. And so it's going to encourage you to stalk their social media as a way of getting that hit. So recognize this is just your brain craving those chemicals. The withdrawal will usually end in 20 to 30 minutes. So find a way to distract yourself, call a friend, go for a jog so that you don't check their social media because again, that keeps you hooked. Does that, are you following me so far? What not to do? Yeah, those are great. Yeah, we're following, we're definitely following. Okay, I'll now kind of, I'll launch into a few tips on what to start doing. Number one, you need a complete detox from them. 60 days minimum. That means you block their phone number so that you're not wondering if they're going to contact you. You block them off social media. You do all these things to limit any sort of exposure you're going to have to them because your wound is very fresh. And you, if you just keep having you know, photos of them pop up on your social media feed, you're just pouring salt on that wound. You're not allowing yourself to get back to emotional equilibrium. And now this doesn't mean it has to be forever. And yes, there might be a time uh, where you can be friends again, but it's not in the beginning stage. When you're with someone, you have neural pathways that have been wired together. If you keep looking at their social media, texting them, having calls with them, seeing them, you're only strengthening those old neural pathways. So you need to create new neural pathways of life without your ex and allow those old neural pathways to prune away. I, the next thing I would do is um, you know, channel your, your inner Marie Kondo. If you live together, do changes of in your, you know, furniture, move things around. Again, you want to stop having things that trigger these emotional memories uh, because it's going to make you go straight into, you know, the depression and the sadness and the memories of it. So you want to have things around you that symbolize a fresh start. And the next thing is when I say surround yourself with people, I mean, surround yourself with the right people. Because this is what happens when you are around someone, their nervous system is actually 
wiring yours. So when you are around someone who's calm and grounded, their nervous system is actually having an effect on yours. It helps your nervous system in a process called entrainment start to lower your heartbeat um, and it calms you down. But if you're with someone who is not calm, who's very chaotic, who's judgmental, who you don't feel safe with, that actually doesn't help you. It actually is going to increase your stress response. So be very careful about who you're surrounded with. And if you are with someone who is constantly like, what an asshole. Oh my God, what a loser. I saw the picture of the new girl he's dating. She's such a bitch. That does not help you. It only increases the stress response in your body. So be super careful. Those first 60 days, it's an open wound. You need to take care of you. And if that means you limit seeing uh, your judgmental friend uh, or even, you know, your mom who keeps, you know, criticizing you, then do that. That is so, I mean, Sam and I were looking at each other nodding because I really feel like, so when I broke up with somebody, this is a, while, a long time ago, in 2016, I definitely I blocked him on everything and I felt so harsh doing that. And I feel like a lot of people don't, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I feel like the people I surround my with, myself with, and I know Sam too, like, I think you blocked someone once because he was like dangerous, but I feel like most people, I, you feel kind of guilty. I feel badly blocking somebody that obviously you had such a connection with and, a, and spent so much time together. But I did that in one relationship because I felt like I needed to kind of like we were saying to kind of move on, but it was very difficult but I can see what you're saying and how you're wired that way that obviously you spent so much time together. I've had friends that, you know, are going through those kind of phases and it's definitely hard. I'm sure people listening to you to kind of cut ties with somebody because you do have that emotional connection with them. But I do agree that it's very hard to move on and kind of move on with from the breakup and continue you know, working on yourself if you're constantly thinking about them. And I mean, I, I've checked X's social media and I'm sure they've done the same with mine because it's it, once for one thing, it's like entertaining, but also it's not healthy to be looking at it because it is raw. Even if it's not raw, it's still probably not good. Yeah, but Amy was bringing up a good point that you're, you're like subconsciously doing it because you're craving some, you know, yeah. obviously you're craving, like you were saying the dopamine or whatever else. And you're like subconsciously doing it. Like you're saying, cause it gives you entertainment, but I think mm -hmm. subconsciously, obviously your body was like craving you wanted to see what was going on of course yeah so because you were talking about ending it with you know we're talking about breakups and kind of not having communication what are your thoughts on people that get back to their exes I mean I know you kind of touched on this but do you think it's possible for things to work out with somebody or do you think that it's kind of like once you know you see the patterns it's never going to work again it, it really depends but here's the thing um when people break up, there's usually a re there's usually reasons. And so the way that I look at it and I help others, if they are contemplating getting back together with their ex is has something changed? Is there new data? And if there's no new data, nothing has changed. The situation is exactly the same. You're exactly the same. They're exactly the same. The relationship outcome is going to be the same. And so I think people need to get really honest with themselves when they are contemplating getting back to their ex because missing someone is not a good enough reason to get back together with them. So um, that's a personal decision. And again, like, look, you're not going to change that person. So if you broke up because this person uh, didn't want to commit, wanted open relationships, whatever it is, and then, you know, there's a pandemic and you both realize you really miss each other. And he comes back and you're like, oh my gosh, what should I do? Well, have you suddenly decided that you don't want monogamy and you don't want to commit a relationship and you're totally open into poly and open relationships? If so, that's a change. You're accepting this person exactly as he is. And then, yeah, there's a potential. But if nothing has changed, you still want a monogamous committed relationship. They're still not into commitment and they, they want to be open. Getting back together is going to create the exact same outcome. And we rationalize our decision by like, oh, well, you know, um, I, think, I think it's fine because like he said this time he's going to do this. Well, intention is one thing. We can have amazing intentions. 
Is there action to back it up? Is there a plan to back up those actions? And if not, then you're just going to repeat your cycle of suffering. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I've been through it with like a few exes that we kind of, the one that I was telling that I blocked, I mean, we tried to like talk again, but I mean, the main thing is, I think it's different for everybody, but for me, I think that, you know, there's water under the bridge and as much as you think people, you know, they work on themselves and they do work on themselves a little bit maybe, but I think for me personally, I don't know if it's the same for other people. It's just, there's a lot of history. And then I don't think people change that much. I think you can work on yourself, but I don't think that people are who they are. And I think that's something I'm trying to, to just remind myself is that you have to accept people for what they are and what, you know, what they're bringing to the table and not the potential in the future or if they say they're going to do X, Y, and Z, because I mean, their actions are their actions. And I think for me, I don't want to have to ever like be hoping that someone's going to change or going to work on this part of themselves. Cause you, just, I think for me, I just have to realize that that's who they are and just accept for what they are now and not what they could be later. Yeah. If you can really learn that lesson and accept people, and this is not even just in relationships, you accept people exactly where they are right now. And with that data, you determine, can I engage with this person? How much do I want to engage with this person? How intimate do I want to be with this person? Knowing that this is who they are. That's reality-based. The problem that causes so much suffering is that we're not in reality. We're in fantasy. So when we are thinking, oh, well, maybe it's going to be different. Well, maybe, you know, they don't want to commit it's been two years back and forth and, you know, he's the almost relationship, but he doesn't want to commit because, you know, he, he like wants to like do better in his career. Okay. That is not reality. You are in fantasy world, right? Also, here's the thing. The, the romantic part of the relationship is the first 12 months to 18 months. That is when you are pretty much in a drug induced state. You have crazy amounts of dopamine, oxytocin, all these things that make you like this lustful, obsessive person over your beloved. This is actually naturally not possible to last for over 18 months. And so if someone isn't committing to you in the best part, when they're like most, you know, there's most momentum, mother nature is like doing everything in its possible power to make you get together. If it's not happening, then do you really think it's going to happen in year two, three, four, five, just by hanging on by being, you know, proving that you're helpful and useful and that you've done so much stuff for them? No, you're not in reality. So everyone out there who is suffering, Ask yourself, are you in reality or are you in fantasy? When you date someone and they ghost you after two dates and you turn it into a story like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have texted. Maybe I you're not in reality. A person that is your fit is not going to be like, oh, they texted me, you know, three too many emoticons. I'm not into this person anymore. Oh, this person brought up that they want family one day. Ooh, not into this person. That's not your person. Okay, I just ranted. No, I, no. I love that. I, I'm, I'm even speaking because I'm, I'm. So this is Samantha speaking. I'm engaged, and we, my fiance and I've been together for over four years. So obviously, I'm still so much in love with him. But I can definitely, you know, watching my sister go through relationships. Um, she went through one during the time that I was dating my my fiance at the time. Um, she went through one where it started off like on a very high note and like so high, so high that like it's going to go down then, you know, it's like, I don't think you, you can't go high. Like it just started off so high that it's going to fall one day and it did. Um, but yeah, I get, that's exactly the stage that they were in. It's just like everything, sunshine and rainbow. I was going to ask saying it didn't even last. Like, I mean, that happy honeymoon stage didn't last more than six months, but I mean, obviously everyone's different, but, um, yeah, I was, I think that people are on this and I tell my friends too, and just people that message me that they're, they're talking about how they're having issues. Like everything's great, but they have all, you know, it's not really great because they have all these issues within six months to a year. And I'm like, if it's already, if you're already having these kind of issues less than a year into the relationship, how's it going to be later? Because this is not even the difficult times. I mean, I know Sam, you've been in a relationship for four years. I've gone through like a lot of stuff, holidays, all that stuff and like stressful times, you know, with career changes and all that. And I think that's important because, you know, you're past that honeymoon stage.
stage and you you gotten to know him better than you know just knowing him for like six months or a year so i think it's important to know to get to know someone through all those changes and i think it's just like we were saying about how living in reality versus fantasy i feel like we've all been i've been through that when i was dating people or even just you know it doesn't have to be like a relationship it could be like friends or whatever where you're making excuses for people or you're trying to change the reality and it's so true because i feel like people i think especially like i see it with people my age or even older where they haven't found their person yet and they, they try to justify, well, maybe like they're saying, they try to live in fantasy. Like, well, maybe if I didn't say that, we would still be together and I wouldn't be single and I'd be doing all these things. But even when I have these talks with Alexis, it's just so important to remind yourself, like you're not settling. It's just those people aren't for you and you have to live in like the reality. Those people aren't gonna change. And just because you're single right now and they're single doesn't mean that it's like a match made in heaven. I was gonna ask you, so, cause you're talking about getting back together and being in relationships and breaking up, what is your advice on, I know everyone's different, but what is your opinion slash advice on people who have gone through a breakup? How long do you think they should wait to kind of put themselves out there and go back into the dating world again? I think if you, it's, this is a per, very personal based on your situation. So if you are going on dating apps or being promiscuous as a way to distract yourself, from dealing with the pain and dealing with the emotions, uh, I would not advise it. And in my experience working with both men and women, I noticed that men have a tendency to do this a bit more than women do. Whereas women go straight into, you know, feeling the emotions and they might be down for a long, a, a while and it's super intense, but when they're out, they're out. Whereas with the men, they go straight into another relationship sometimes. And then the, the pain and the, the unprocessed stuff, the baggage, it doesn't just magically disappear. It stays in you and it seeps out. And what ends up happening is it either affects their relationship that they're the next one they're in, because again, your patterns and your baggage follow you wherever you go, or then they miss their ex and then they realize and they have these, you know, regrets. Um, and so you don't want to do that. And so if you are at a place where, you know, you, you could get on a dating app and if you, you saw your ex, you know, show up on there, you wouldn't be completely destroyed. Uh, you know, you might feel a sting, but the emotional intensity isn't going to just take you for a roller coaster and you're out for a week. Then, yeah, then maybe that's a, a good litmus test to see if you're ready. Um, but if you, uh, the slightest trigger such as that will cause you to go into this like roller coaster um, of depression and a spiral, then you're not ready yet. It's like if you broke your leg, you go to, you know what we're going to do. You're going to go to the doctor. You're going to put a cast on. He's going to tell you, or she's going to tell you like, go easy on it. Then you get the cast removed right after you get the cast removed. Do you run a fucking marathon? No, you don't. <laughs> you might go for a walk very slowly, right? You build yourself up. The same thing happens with a broken heart. You're actually not only emotionally going through something, you physically have effects in your body. Your body is in flight or fight. You are, you are flooded with cortisol and adrenaline, which is preparing you for attack. And so, and that's why you're not in the right mind because your amygdala, the part of your brain that processes fear and threat is like, oh my God, you are going to die. And so you're, you're having a physical and emotional and spiritual reaction to the heartbreak. But in our society, we're like, just get over it. Like, you know, like have ice cream and like date someone else. What an asshole gets move forward. No, don't do that. You broke your fucking heart mend it yeah i i totally i mean i can relate to what you're saying i've been so for me i guess i'm just sharing this for people listening but i was like i said i think i broke up in it's been almost two and a half years and i think for me i i was ready it was one of those people i was ready i think the breakups were towards the end the breakups before that were kind of already on the rocks for a long time so by the time we broke up i took like a month or two and then i was like ready to you know i was ready to put myself out there again but after that last one in 2018 I was really wanting I was like I don't want to do this anymore I want to focus on myself I want to be single and not like to party but just like be by myself and focus on myself and I did not get back on the dating apps for like six months and then 
when I did, you know, I've gone on dates and stuff, but I feel like in the past I would go out with people and they would, these guys would be like, so when was your last relationship? And I didn't want to say like, I just broke up like a month or two ago, you know, cause then they're like, Oh, this girl's not ready. So I mean, it sounds bad, but I would kind of fib the numbers a little bit, but <laughs> it's cause I was ready. But on the other side, I've gone out with guys that they don't say, I mean, you can just probably assume that most of these guys on there have just gone out of a relationship and you can tell because they're so dumb guys are so, so stupid. Sometimes <laughs> they have their, <laughs> they have unhinged, they have their, their uh, Instagram connected and you can see like pictures <laughs> that they posted with their exes, like literally two months ago or a month ago. And like, wow, you're <laughs> yeah, like they're just announcing. They don't think things. Yeah. Fair. They're just so dumb. But like a few people I've gone out with, there was one guy that I was really into and I went out with him and I remember like on our first, we went out, we went out three times, but on our first or second date, actually it was the first date we were talking about dating. And I said, not like, not in like serious terms, but I said, saying, Oh, I know what I want. Like I've been single for a while and you know, I'm not wanting to settle. And he just didn't say anything. I should have taken that as a cue. Like he's probably hiding that he just broke up with somebody, but I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything because it was just the first day. I was like, I'm not going to, which maybe that was a mistake. Maybe I should have just been really direct. Here, here you go. Now you're doing I it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm catching it. See, I do it all the time. But anyway, I didn't ask him, you know, when was your last relationship? Because I just felt awkward asking in that moment. I don't know why. And I didn't. So then we went out a few more times. And he later, you know, he started being distant. I started feeling like, you know, I started getting a sense that, I don't know, of course, I started thinking, what did I do? You know, inside, I, of course, I didn't ask what I did. But then, you know, after we didn't talk for a little bit, he sent me a message basically saying that, he got out of a relationship recently and you know, then you start thinking, well, is that really the truth? Are you lying? Is this an excuse? But I'm just taking what he said, you know, as the truth, but he basically told me that this long text that, you know, he really enjoyed getting to know me and, you know, we had a great connection. He recently got out of a relationship and he needs to just focus on himself. You know, so I start getting an investigation mode and like I start stalking, which is what exactly what you said not to do. But it wasn't really like a breakup. But still, I went on his Instagram and I was like trying to figure out the girls. Like, do they follow each other? Do they block oh each God. other? <laughs> she goes like, there, girl. <laughs> yeah. And then my friends, you know, I like hired my friends to go. They were, they're investigating it, too. <laughs> and everyone's invested. And yeah, I, I, from what I can infer, I think, you know, he was still talking to her at that time. I don't know. I mean, this is all me like making assumptions based on what I could investigate. <laughs> I am like, I've turned into like an investigator because I've been catfished before. So I'm like, literally, I think I have like scars from that inside. I'm like, we'll stop the crap out of somebody almost to where like I decide I'm not into them anymore before even going out with them, which I'm like a disaster. But anyway, I, so with this guy, basically I was really, I was really hurt because I'm like, it's very frustrating to go out with people that have just gone out of a relationship. They literally got on the apps just, you know, to kind of help themselves with whatever they're going through is what I'm assuming. And they're not ready to date someone. And I think I'm assuming, but I think, you know, he probably had feelings for me, but then of course he's thinking about his ex and I'm like, it's not right. It's not fair to me because I got already emotionally attached because I thought, oh, I started doing what girls do. Like, oh, I could see myself dating him. What would our life look like? You know, like all this stuff. And I'm like, we've gone on three dates, but I would never announce that to him. But in my mind, you know, I could picture all these things together. And then when everything came to like a halt, because he said that. I was obviously hurt, you know, obviously to him. I was just like, oh, yeah, like, I, I get it, you know. But I was really hurt. So, yeah, I think it's very frustrating. So if you're someone listening out there and you're recently single, do not get on the apps just to, you know, kind of resolve whatever's happening inside. Numb the pain. Yeah, I mean, have I done that? Probably. But I, in the most recent years, I haven't because it's not fair to other people who are trying to find something, looking for something more serious, you know. But... Yeah, that's my little tangent on that. But yeah, I definitely like I, I have a lot of friends that do that. I've dated people that I know have gone on the apps after like right after a breakup. It's not right, but it's convenient and it's easy. So on that topic, what are your thoughts on dating apps? Like, do you think that I mean, obviously, there's success stories. I know Samantha's one of them. But this was for I feel ago, like no? my personal I guess I want to get your opinion. But my personal opinion is I'm on them, but I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look, I think dating apps is one other avenue to meet people. And especially because we've been in a pandemic, that's kind of been one of the only options people have had. So you kind of just kind of adapt to whatever you can, right? And like certain cities, it's way easier to meet people. New York is way easier than say Vancouver. Um, and so I think you need to look at dating apps as you're trying to, when you're dating, you're filtering. And so if you look at it as, oh my gosh, am I going to meet the one? You are going to be sorely disappointed because the reality is, you know, you'll probably go through 20 people and, and not meet anyone that even connects with you. So you have to actually change your intention going into dating, whether you meet them from an app or it's from a setup. And, and you kind of want to like conduct an experiment um, where you want to get good at dating. And so you want to identify, is there chemistry? This is the problem people have. People think that if they don't have a romantic charge right away, that there's no chemistry. This is wrong. Chemistry, there's a baseline chemistry that you have, whether it's with friends, coworkers, romantic partners, there's different types of chemistry and romantic chemistry is one of them. But the brain sometimes takes some time to cognitively process that it is romantic chemistry. So when you first go out on a date with someone, all you want to do is like, see if there's a connection, you know, be curious. And if you can actually just practice that as a human being, you're going to be a lot better to be around just as a human being, a curious human being. Even if this person, if you meet them and right away, you're like, oh, totally, you know, I know this is not going to go anywhere. Um, but if you can still try to practice your muscle of curiosity, you build your ability to be magnetic as a human being. And when you're looking at chemistry, all you want to look at is how, how do I feel on the date right after it and a day afterwards? Um, am I having fun? Do I want to see this person again? The next question, does this give me energy or is it taking energy from me? And if you notice like, oh, I might not want to rip their clothes off, but I had fun. And yeah, I want to see this person again. It was fun. That's chemistry. Give it more time because what happens is the, in, in psychology, whatever you're exposed to more, the, or the original feel will start to, uh, to grow. Um, so if you did have chemistry, it will grow more and more every time you see them and you spend more time with them. But if there wasn't chemistry, say if there was disgust, it will only grow the disgust. So stop. I think all I see with people is they cut people off way too soon because they're like, you're not my type. The thing is, you have no idea what your type is. You only know what you're used to. So you only have an idea of what you think you want because of what is familiar to you. That's who you have chemistry with. We have a chemistry compass. I talk about this in my book. It's our internal GPS that points us in the direction of who we're drawn to and who we're not drawn to. But a lot of us have a broken chemistry compass. It's pointing us in the direction of people who are not the right fit for us. And so you keep, you know, dating these people who are actually not right for you. And then you internalize it and think there's something wrong with you when you're just choosing the wrong people. Um, so yeah, that's, those are my thoughts on online dating. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, and I know I was talking with some girls about this on Instagram. I feel like I have become friends with all these girls because we can relate on the dating aspect. And I know Sam has been through it, but it's been a couple of years for you. But for me, I feel like everything you're saying, I think I do the same time. I go for the same type and the same looks like physically because obviously I was listening to something earlier today I mean a dating app is you're swiping on anything physical I mean it's you don't know somebody I mean if they write something that I'm like and this is the thing I it's they have one impression and it's bad because they have one like a second to make an impression and if they write something in their profile that I'm not I don't like I'm like nope sorry <laughs> and it's it's bad because if you met them out you wouldn't know all this stuff you know by talking to them like just you know if you met them at a bar you don't know that much about them but or you shouldn't know but I think I'm obviously swiping on you know my what I think is attractive to me and I think I pick out the same you know my someone one of my friends making fun of me saying I could pick out like all of you are going to choose because you pick out the same type of guy every time and I mean that's what I think I'm attracted to but again they haven't been like you said they're not the right fit and I keep picking out the same guy because I want a certain look or I think that's what I'm attracted to and I think I am very 
selective on what I like if they if I look and they they're not wearing the right outfit like I'm very into style so if their style is terrible I'm just like I can't like I'm disgusted by it I can't but and I know everyone's like I was like well that could be changed but I don't want to change money make them be someone they're not like if they're not into like clothes or they're not into like personal style like I can't make somebody be that way but I know that I could be better about being a little more open to you know, like I, this sounds terrible, but I am going to be honest. I, you know, I'm on these apps and I'm like, it's, it's a normal thing for guys to lose their hair. Like for people to like have a receding hairline or just be like starting to bald. But I'm just like, uh, if I see that because it's all physical, I'm like, uh, I don't know. But I start critiquing it. I tell my sister only, I don't like announces to the world, but I'm just like, I don't know if I can get past this without even going out with them because I start going this whole, down this whole rabbit hole. Like, but what if I go out and then I have to get rid of them? It sounds, I mean, that sounds so harsh, but like I have to tell them I'm not interested because I really try not to ghost people anymore. So I think I should just give people a chance, but I start thinking about, is it going to be more complicated and suck more of my energy by having to go out? And then, but the whole flip side is, you could be attracted to them. I know, but I'm one of those people like I get there and I'm like, I'm already not into them. And I, That's exactly it's so what she was bad. Saying, not, I know it's so bad. I need to like, yeah, because I think with that relationship we were talking about previously, the one that she was saying that it started off on such a high note, it was all like, I, mean, I don't even, it wouldn't be, be chemistry. I don't know what, what that is, what that would be called. You were like physically attracted. It was just like, so, I mean, yeah, like basically I'm not trying to be sexual, but like basically rip your clothes off. Like I was so attracted to him physically and you know he had all the material items too which i need to i mean i've, I've tried to not focus on anymore i didn't the thing is i didn't know these things before going out with him but he picked me up and he had all the material items and you know he was really in shape he was very charming like all these things which i think he was one of those narcissistic behaviors and so that's what well, i'm your, trying to your subconscious with. has a radar and can pick people who can wound you in a way that's very familiar so I, I know just by talking to you that in your dating history, you have chosen people who actually haven't been very healthy. And so, but you get 10 out of 10 chemistry, this, I want to rip your clothes off chemistry with someone you say, it's like, oh, it's because you're fit and all these things. It's because there's strife with the same wounding patterns that are very familiar to you. The emotional experience keeps repeating over and over again, even though the guy looks different or is a diff comes in a different package. And there's something there. There's a belief system that's there about yourself. There's a wound that hasn't been healed. That's why the same emotional experience keeps repeating. And so until you look at the root of it, you can try and like talk yourself out of dating, you know, this guy, or I shouldn't have chemistry, but I do. But until you actually understand where does it come from? Why is there this pattern and it keeps coming up and you heal that you're going to get the same result. Yeah, you're right. I know Sam was just like, you, she was whispering maybe to talk to her. I need to <laughs> go on one. one. Of, yeah. I need I'm to, sure there's some girls that need to also yeah. listening, but like it, I get it, it. you know, I, I know how hard it is, especially when you're on a dating app, you don't have any other data, right? Like if you go on 10 dates with someone and on the fifth date, they, I don't know, they uh, had food poisoning and you see them vomit, right? You'd be like, you know, you've had five dates or you've had 10 dates, like no big fucking deal because they're so they're, they've been amazing and you had such a great time. If you met someone for 30 minutes and that happened, you'd be like, fuck that right? You don't have enough data. So your, your brain is going to focus on the only little bits of data that you've got. And on a dating app, that's like microsecond of like, oh, is this hot or is it not? So you can't blame yourself for that. But I would highly suggest to you, you conduct a dating experiment, date someone who's older, date someone who's younger, date someone who's shorter than your average, you know, height requirement, date someone who's not, you know, the profession that you like. And the point of doing this is not so that you're going to meet the one, it's to expand your range and like maybe even get someone that you trust to swipe for you. And if you don't want to invest in meeting them in person, cause you're like, oh, that fucking thing happens. I get it. Do a FaceTime date first. And again, practice your ability to be curious of this other person as a human being. And you will be so surprised at how you might be like, oh, I actually connected with that person who 
works for a nonprofit and I've only dated entrepreneurs before. That's interesting. Oh, I liked how this person actually was very confident and secure, but wasn't overcompensating by being flashly. Like, I, I actually think that's kind of cool, but you won't know because you keep dating the same profile of this person who's charismatic and comes in and makes everyone swoon. And then he focuses on you and chooses you and you feel special. And then this whole dynamic comes and happens and it hurts you. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think I'm trying to be better because I, I think like a lot of girls, I have this long list of things in my head, but I know that I really need to, I, people like the advice I've been given to me from different readers was like to drop the list and just kind of like you're saying, just to experiment and go out people that don't fit like the standards in your head of what you, what you want. But I mean, obviously, yeah, you need to have some criteria, but I think it's good because I think in my head, I'm like, well, they have to be this height this look like this fitness level, you know, I mean, the job is not, I mean, just someone that has a good job, but I don't, I mean, I know that that's a very broad statement, but I think, you know, I'm trying to be open. I need to be better based on what you're saying. Just, just going out and someone was just like, well, I mean, I wouldn't like tell this to the guy, but just like, it's practice. Like it's, you know, it's, 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 and it's just like being social and kind of practice and obviously getting to know somebody. So I think if I look at it that way, I think that, it's a little different, but I, I think also like these apps, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's good and bad because some of them are not good texters or good like messaging messengers, I guess is the right word. And so I already like kind of write them off. I'm like, well, they're not very good at like asking questions back. Like I sometimes will ask her fiance stuff from a guy's perspective. Cause I'm like, I just don't get, it. I don't have any brothers, but I don't get when guys and you're messaging them. I feel like I'm almost conducting an interview because I keep asking questions and then they're like, it's like, when do you know when to stop trying? Because it's like, I'm not going to just be a one-sided conversation. Like I'm going to ask all these questions and you're just going to answer, you know, like I, it's Taylor, her fiance sometimes like, well, some guys are just not good at messaging. They don't, they don't realize what's happening. But I'm like, at the same time, like, do I want to invest time going out with somebody? I guess the FaceTime date would be a good option, but do I want to go invest time going out with someone for an hour or two if they can't even like, ask me questions but I know it's also kind of like another thing because it's small talk before a date and I know that's like another thing with people like some people don't like want to invest a lot of time small talk before the date so I think there's probably a lunch I'm rambling but I know there's like a bunch of different yeah I mean look I get it right like here's the way most people date. They date like they're a floundering fish. They have no fucking idea what they're doing. And the <laughs> dating strategy, there is no strategy. You're like, are you hot? Are you not hot? Like, are you charismatic? Like, blah, blah. Do you, you know, drive a Porsche? Whatever it is. It's a, it's a dating strategy that is often very based on ego, an ego transaction, right? When you are looking at someone and you're like, based on like, oh, how's your hairline? How's your jawline? How's the blah, blah, blah. You are entering an ego transaction. And then they are then also looking at you like a list. Are you hot? Are you skinny? How are your boobs? Are you blah, blah, blah? It's <laughs> not a soul connection. There is no opening for a soul connection, right? And so you're constantly just unfulfilled by these dynamics because there's no actual strategy. You're not dating someone based on certain values, right? And like, that's what I teach in my boot camps and in my workshops that I actually have a four page template on how to date. So you stop dating and like wasting time dating like a floundering fish, but you have to get clear on what are the values that are important to you. And these are timeless values, not values that like right now you care if they're, you know, wearing the right brand of jeans, you will not give a shit in 20 years, right? <laughs> if you're actually looking for a partner, there's certain things that really matter and they matter throughout time. It doesn't matter what age you're in, but we're not looking at those things. And so we're picking people looking at the wrong factors and then we're getting terribly disappointed in love. Um, I'd be happy to share my dating worksheet with you, but yeah, I really think you should come to the workshop or the boot camp. Yeah, I would love to do that. I need, I definitely need to get in touch with you about that. And I'm sure a lot of the girls listening would be interested too. But do you think that, I mean, I think dating has become difficult in the last few years. Maybe that's just me, but I know a lot of girls that I've exchanged messages with have felt the same. One of them, I think one in particular told me that she thinks that it's a real pandemic and she's like, I'm not talking about COVID, but I, I, you know, I've been single for a couple of years and I feel like, I don't know if it's because the dating apps have be been around longer, but I feel like it's become more difficult. I mean, obviously there's been COVID that's been, obviously been a challenge. I mean, stuff's, you know, stuff's getting better now, but do you think that's dating as, be in your, 
like with your clients and just like in your experience, do you think it's become more difficult or is it just like my perception and our perception of it? It's perception. So here's, and I can relate. I used to think that dating apps sucked or dating sucked in my city or dating sucked at my age. And where we are, how, where we are at an emotional health level ourselves, that is going to dictate who we're drawn to and who's drawn to us. As I became more healthy on an emotional level, as I started to deal with things like my anxious attachment style, my abandonment issues, my projection of ego and wanting to date successful entrepreneurs that I could be their plus one because I had you know, a major insecurity about not being significant enough in the world. As I started to heal those things, the types of people that I was drawn to and was drawn to me started to change. So my date, like I, I met my partner on a dating app a year before someone tried to set us up and I was like, no, not my type. <laughs> right. And I was like, I looked at the picture like, no, he looks like arrogant. And, you know, a year <laughs> la- later I, we swiped and I think it just showed like I was in a much more open space and we met and, you know, the rest is history. But like, even before him, the people I was dating were amazing. I met amazing people on dating apps. Guys, I like, yeah, it didn't work out in terms of a long-term relationship with me, but I would be glad to, you know, set them up with a friend. And that wasn't because the city I lived in changed or the dating app changed or my age changed. It was because I changed. And so I, I wasn't, I stopped dating assholes like a long time ago, but for most of my life, that's all I had narcissistic, you know, maybe sociopathic guys that lit up the room, were super hot, wore the nice clothes, made a ton of money, you know, second trip was in Miami. Those were the types I I dated. And I was heartbroken all the time. And so if, you know, if you're not getting the outcome you want, you can blame the environment, you can blame the dating app, you can blame your age or whatever it is. But that's, and you can even try to change it, but it's not to create lasting change because what happens is your beliefs is what dictates all of it. It dictates how you feel, how you act, who you choose, why you stay, what you'll tolerate. And that's the hard work though. It's hard work up front. It's a lot easier to just be like, no, not you. I'll just date someone else when the romance dies. No, there's a problem. I'll just date someone else. You can keep switching. Or you can, and you know, that's easier to do a lot harder in the long run, but you know, a lot of people aren't up for doing the hard work up front. I agree. I think that's so true. And I think that a lot of people, I mean, your, your story is interesting. And I, I love that you gave that example because I feel like I'm that way. And I feel like even people that set me up, like people will set me up and I'm like, I immediately look at the picture. I, I want them to send pictures and I'm like, Oh God. I'm like, no, that's not my type. But I think it's important. Like you said, to be open to it. And I think you have to be in the right headspace to like where you're open to it. And I think I've gone a little better, but I still think, you know, I can still be better. <laughs> and I think I also have like this, you know, this standard in my head, what I, what I, what I think that I'm looking for, but like you were saying, what we talked about earlier, it's, it hasn't worked for me in the past. And maybe there's someone out there, but I think I could be better, do a better job at being more open to it. And I think, I think what's holding me back is just the doubts of like, okay, if I go out and I don't, and it's, it's what I think it's going to be where it's not going to be like a good match. I think I get anxiety about having to tell somebody that I'm not into it, which I think is like, I've gotten better. which is the next thing I wanted to ask you about ghosting. Like, what are your thoughts on ghosting? I know I've read, I follow a few other accounts on Instagram that have done some of these dating coaches. I've done like little, like a few second videos on like ghosting that it's, that it's more about them, like, you know, all that stuff. And it's comforting to hear, but what are your thoughts on ghosting? And what do you, what is your advice on telling somebody that's been ghosted? Like, what would you tell somebody or yourself? Yeah. Um, so we'll wrap up with ghosting. Um, yeah. When, when people, when people ghost, it is showing you how they deal with conflict. And usually this is learned at a very young age, where at a young age, this person learned that having upfront conversations was not safe. To feel the emotion and talk about it and find a solution uh, wasn't safe. And there's many different reasons why this happened. 
Maybe they were shamed for feeling their feelings. Maybe um, they lived in an environment where it was dangerous to speak the truth. And so what happens is this child learns a way, they adapt to their environment as a way of self-preservation. And over time and over time, they grow up that when there's an uncomfortable emotion, instead of dealing with it in a values-based way with integrity, which is honesty, communication, compassion, and generosity, it becomes so overwhelming that they either shut down, withdraw, or they ghost. And so when someone does this, it's very easy, like, oh my gosh, it's me. I shouldn't send this text. It's me. I'm so dumb. I'm this. But really, you're seeing how this person deals with conflict. And if they're dealing with conflict right now, like that, what is going to happen if you were to be together for a couple of years, maybe have children? And shit really hits a fan because that's what happens in life. And you've got to deal with the hard parts of life. And this person is not equipped to deal with emotions. They're not emotionally mature. Wouldn't you rather know on date three that this person ghosted? And so it's about them. And... I think like you can try to actually even have compassion, like, wow, what happened to this person? And also it's not your work to do. If someone can't deal with having an honest upfront conversation, if their way of dealing with it is to just like, I'm not going to deal with it at all. That's their work to do. Let them do it. That's such a good, I think it's a great response and it, it's a good way to look at it. I mean, not a way to look at it, but a good way to understand what's happening because I think a lot of people take it personally. I know I have, and I'm, I think I've really learned to understand that it's, it's more about them than it is about you. It's something that you did. And I think that's, I've tried to be better and I've tried to tell like my friends to like, just try not to go with somebody so that they know, like obviously everyone's been through it and just, they know you know, it's very easy just to send a quick message and say, Hey, like I had a great time. I mean, not a great time, but I had a good time meeting you. And I just don't, I don't feel the chemistry. Or I don't feel the connection. So I think that's a good way to look at it. So I wanted to wrap up and just ask you if you could share where everyone could find you, where they can find more information about your retreat and all that stuff and your Instagram and website. Yeah. So on Instagram, you can find me on Miss Amy Chan, M-I-S-S-A-Y-C-H-A-N. My website is renewbreakupbootcamp.com. And uh, I'm hosting, you know, I host workshops. Like, so I have one on like how to hack attraction and the art of seduction uh, to the actual breakup bootcamps, which we'll be running again soon. So yeah, go to renewbreakupbootcamp.com to find out more. Great. I will personally be checking and be in contact with you and be checking all that stuff out. And I know you guys will love all of her stuff too. I ha- I learned so much during this podcast and I'm sure you all did too. Thank you so much for, ha- for being on our show and for sharing all that great knowledge information with us. And thank you guys for listening so much and we'll be back soon.